0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. In today's episode, I'll give you a quick hook right away. We're going to jump in and we're going to talk about what is managed self-service and how does this work with Power BI. What does a self-service model look like for a Power BI organization and how will organizations need to build this? So that's going to be our main topic for today. But before we get into that, let's do some news anything across the internet that we're finding that is interesting and worthy of talking about. Tommy, you have any articles you found?
1: Yeah, um, another one by our our best friend, Chris Webb, on what's a semantic model.
0: He writes and so many good things. It's crazy. Model. Even Slow if you just...
1: <laughs> I know. Even <laughs> if he's just summarizing something. So we previously we talked that uh, there's no such thing as a data model in Power BI, or as you know it, it's now called a semantic model. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the name change, uh, this has just been something that I've realized all my training has to change. I've, I've literally been in between training and realized I'm like, should I start using the term semantic model now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I see how. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is, you have, there's a lot of transition. And I've already kind of transitioned to be calling it that, even in training with people. I'm like, well, you don't know what a data model is yet. So mm-hmm. we're just going to call it a semantic <laughs> model, or you've heard. So, but I think that transition needs to happen now for everyone is that's really kind of like the new phrase change what what
0: is a semantic model tommy
1: semantic model is previously known as the power bi data model it's everything but the report canvas and a power bi data set
0: He sounds like chris was talking about like it's the the bi semantic model which is the bism b-i-s-m yeah, and that's and that's where I think the, um, who was the other gentleman who made the Bism Normalizer? Um, oh yeah, I'm drawing a blank on the name at this moment. But there was another tool. Daniel, was that? It wasn't Daniel. No, Bism Normalizer. That's from Christian Wade. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So his Bism Normalizer would let you look at the, the BIM file that comes out of Power BI. Essentially, it's the cube. The definition of the cube it's not actually the cube it's just the definition of it which is kind of interesting and that's kind of what this whole semantic model is right it's it's the it's the describing features of what calculations what measures where are the tables is the table partitioned like all the information that makes the model work it's a definition file it doesn't it's not actually the file which is very interesting
1: but it's also the phrase that we use now when we say, Hey, there's in Power BI, there's a semantic model and a report every time you create a, uh, it'll, it'll open up Power BI. It is the new terminology we're using for what was previously known as the Power BI data model.
0: It's going to take some time for people to kind of really absorb this one because I think they're very much. Is, does, it, does this mean we're going to see inside RB.com? Yeah. And we're no longer going to see the data set?
1: Yeah, it's going to say semantic model when you want to do your filters
2: interesting where i'm i'm sorry i'm catching up here because like his article is is basically breaking it down to the the fact that there are still all the underlying components and this is just a marketing thing
1: it's that's all it is it's just a name change but it's not a change to the what it was or what it is it's simply just terming uh giving it a different name now it's a big name change because this one of the core components of everything we do but that's really all it is. There's no feature update or additional items or uh, artifacts. It's just your normal Power BI data model that now no longer has the data in front of it. It's a semantic model, which, again, makes a lot of sense because data set, data model are used interchangeably in other f- uh, tooling and in, uh, other parts of data engineering, which there's a lot of mix up. So now we are specifying, when I say semantic model, that is referring only to the, what the Power BI creation.
0: Interesting, Tommy, that you mentioned that one, because that's, that's actually a really good point, because in the data science world, you make these things called models. There's However, I feel like I would agree, I would argue that the, the cube has been around longer than the data science model thing. Fine. Maybe. So now when what? I make now when I make a thin report, I'll have a semantic model and thin report. Yes, exactly. That's Ooh. exactly what it is. Yes. Time to update your SEO. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take me a bit of time to like get my head around this one. I, I, I'm I am i gonna have a hard time getting away from the word data set. I think I'm still gonna use data set quite frequently. Ugh, that's gonna be hard. It's a big and change. I, this is all because there's now a new tab inside desktop. The actual semantic model, where you can see the calculation groups, the measures, definition of all the things that are inside the semantic model, and they needed that to be there so you could actually see when you make a calculation group, where does it live? Seem unconvinced, Seth. I, I guess it's just the name change, right? Like it, it, it's it's there's nothing new here. Not a new feature, no, right? It's just marketing change. Someone decided that data set was too confusing or data set was not descriptive enough I guess and they decided oh let's change it
1: do you, do you guys not like it please I, I, I actually like
0: it I think I don't it's not the fact that I don't like it it's more the idea of I understand why it exists I understand why it's there I feel like saying the word data set is easier than saying semantic model and I'm also thinking of oh, yeah. writing this thing out every time Want to learn how to spell semantic correctly all the time? <laughs> this is going to create a headache for me. Uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, fine. No, no big deal. I'll I'll get over it and we'll move on. I don't know. Here's here, but here's my thing though. If you didn't do if you didn't call it semantic model, I don't know what else you'd call it. Like I have no other term that I would use to reference. It's either, either going to be a data set or it's going to be a semantic model. So like that's to be fair. They pick something that is descriptive to what it is and sure. i wouldn't i wouldn't change it there's no other term that i would use to it unless you're going to spell like the european way with model with two l's it just drives me bonkers that that happens also like what the heck are we doing here there's two l's in the middle of model like that doesn't seem right but some people spell it like that so you
1: add a random u somewhere
0: yeah case. exactly or make up a brand new term i don't know anyways interesting let's move on to our next topic Other topics we have here. So Chris Webb was talking about uh, his blog. Um, There's this new thing coming out, and this is particularly, I think, around some of the Fabric pieces. So this is kind of two parts here. So Microsoft Fabric has opened up a lot more of the data engineering side of things. With this, there are two blog posts, one from Michael Kowalski, which everything he touches is like very technical and super good. So Michael Kowalski comes out and says, hey, look, you can use this package called semantic link, which allows you to put this pack- package inside a notebook. And from that notebook, you can now go interrogate or run queries directly against a Power BI dataset, which is pretty dang cool. You can get all the column names out. You can go look at the DMVs. The, the What does the DMV stand for, Seth? Dynamic, Uh,
2: it's either data management view or dynamic
0: managed view. Managed view. It tells you about like, what is the model doing? So you can now start going to grab data around. I think this will be important for monitoring on key data sets that you care about. Things that are going to your customers, bigger data sets, like getting the information out of it. Um, Microsoft has come up with this really interesting scenario of like, hey, data scientist, we've done all this hard work to make these cubes and things you may want to pull in a measure and a column name into your data science project okay
1: you and i were just disagreeing with this and i don't know why you think that's so weird you have this semantic model it's not weird
0: it's not weird i've just never heard of any data scientist going man i have so much better data science if i could get it out of my model from power bi (laughs) it just doesn't seem to happen
1: so it's never possible but now with, <laughs> with the semantic uh, link or whispering model,
2: now
1: <laughs> <laughs> with, this, with, with this new package, what I can do is rather than having to curate the entire data set, I can basically grab the columns and table that I want, grab the data and already have it packaged, or in a sense as a simple data frame. I can take a Power BI model and take the components that I need and create a data frame from that. Which is really powerful. Like you think of that linkage of trying to do additional analytics that's not outside of uh, Power BI, where it's like I don't want to use DAX to do my forecasting. I just want to take the data that's already been curated and cleaned in a semantic model, and now I can create a data frame from that easily, very easily. This is a huge story. This is a huge rope story for what the power bi model is in and is in the realm of literally
0: not just business intelligence but the data story i i think it's cool i do like it um i just i just have to keep i i, I would ask questions to the chat chat for you who have been out there have you had any data scientists directly asking for access to the power bi data sets that are being built
1: i i think that's the wrong question
0: is it though what, why because is it the wrong it
1: question? was never they I think they these teams have always existed I think in different spaces and you never could have this ability or even close to this they they both kind of go down different paths on what the data model was kind of the end goal was from the reporting solution and data science which is the forecasting never existed in Power BI but now there's a linkage between the creation of the semantic model and now the further uh, um, kind of like, the now we're kind of building that bridge to data science. So even if the question wasn't asked before, this is um, kind of building the bridge for what the prereqs are for data scientists, for what the data not, they need.
2: Not, like, mm, oh. like, so hmm. I I can see a use case where, a data like you would want to interrogate or look at data from a model for some quick poc type things but you're you're saying that it you you're you would recommend you would recommend that the model be a data source for the the activities that they build on top of that
1: well think about this because again i don't have to just pull the model i can pull a table or a a collect uh, a single table from a Power BI semantic. You can model. write
0: full decks against yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I
1: can write I can write full DAX or I can just yeah, grab a single table. So for for data scientists who are what are they pulling from? Maybe they're pulling from Synapse or they're pulling from a data source. Anyways, now one of those additional data sources is already a clean uh, model, and they don't have to pull the measures in. They can; they're already pre created. But this is just now an additional source of already clean table.
0: Data. So I do I think this that's is a good lead-in. I think it's I think it's a good I think it's helpful. I think it definitely adds. I think there is a use case. Although I'll I'll say I believe the use case is a little bit contrived. Of the companies I've worked for, one, a lot of a lot of companies are just trying to get their feet off the ground in just data engineering in general. So a lot of companies I think are not at this level of like wow, now that we have these really well defined, super groomed, you know, efficient data models we're ready to give access to a data scientist team to actually go utilize that information. Not saying that there isn't a need for that, but in my experience with working with data scientists, they're not looking to connect to cubes and models and things. They're just gonna write whatever they need to write, and they're gonna go after data that's in that, you know, earlier stage before you get to the data model, and they're gonna do predictive things somewhere else in the system. That's just my experience. I don't know if that's going to change. And potentially maybe this kind of feature will enable a change in mentality here because you are spending on, you know, let's talk about a moment here for certified data sets. It's it's groomed clean, good data, right? Mm-hmm. We should be using that for other things. Outside of just using that data for serving to reports and, you know, getting it into paginary reports. Not sure organizations are thinking that way yet they might need some more time to adjust and start really finding solid use cases around that. It's a good point. Of the use cases that there's provided, I think using the DMVs to see what's going on in the data set is actually gonna be more relevant than anything else. I think management of large data sets, this will be way more helpful. This actually, to me, this points out, you can now build a test framework around your data set using this pattern this will give you the ability to go pick and pull data out of your model every time the model was produced. And you can run notebooks that will test the validity or test the accuracy of your data every single time. To me, that is way more impactful than saying, hey, data scientist, you can go now access the data in the data model. So I think from my perspective, the testing and auditing ability of a data set is going to be way more improved with this kind of feature as opposed to... The data scientist world is going to be super happy and put their hands up and, you know, and sing the praises of Microsoft for giving them access to a data model.
2: And I get, and that's, I guess, for scenarios where you wouldn't have access to the data sources already going into the, the model.
0: Um, you're talking for the data science story, right?
2: Well, for what you just were talking about data validation and quality checking.
0: M- well, I think there's actually a better way of automating things using this. This is more of a programmatic way of getting at the data inside the data model than I think you would do if you were building inside desktop. Or, you know, when you have incremental refresh, there are gonna be certain things that so you it, can't so, control really. You have to
2: So this method model. also allows you to like utilize everything within the model, like you could create max mm-hmm. measures against it. Et you can
0: do evaluate, summarize columns, and you can summarize tables out of it. You can you know, you could you could literally write, okay, I care about this fact table and I care about yeah. these months of data. And I'm gonna store okay.
2: Yeah, I would agree. That's that, that would be but to me that's a pretty good use
0: case. That's way more impactful than the data science story. So I think Microsoft mm-hmm. should have led with the hey, look at this. You can get data into notebooks now and now you can start automating regular loads out of data. Great use case some testing around it i'm not sure i'm sure where's john kursky john calling john kursky uh john please add this to your deployment devops pipeline of things that you could use here i think this would be very helpful as well anyways interesting feature i need to play with it a bit more to have maybe a, a stronger opinion and along that that's another article that came out recently with Darren gospel from random procrastination blog he talks about now that we have fabric Everyone's like, "Look at all this cool stuff we can do!" He's hitting the refreshables API and he's grabbing data back and he's parsing the data out from a from a JSON object into like a data frame. Everyone's excited. Like, this is what I was expecting to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone's finding these very niche use cases and like, "Oh man, it'd be really cool if I could." Oh, I could just do that in notebook now. All these extra and data engineering experiences now are like being lit up, and everyone's like, "Wow, look at this!" Like, dudes. This has been this has been happening for years, and other systems that are already there, it's now just being brought into Fabric.
2: Right. Well, I, and I think, but that's the that is the benefit, and I I think I mentioned that in the last glibly in the, in our last conversation. Yeah. Where totally. we were talking about oh like a SP rename right. Yep. It'll, like it's a function in SQL. It's been there since, <laughs> since a long time. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's like, but it, it's a refresher, right? Yes. So folks who didn't know that, right, are yes. getting this like constant oh, stream cool of, yeah. of new th- of things that have been saying you know like yeah they're out there they're in different tools but now you know about it and now you can like it's it's refreshing the excitement around things you can do um in these new environments or introducing more people to them so it's a good thing
0: I think so anyways all good topics and intros let's get into the main topic I think these these two things kind of really push us now okay let's let's talk about what is self-service? Maybe we should define that first. And then, what does managed self-service look like in this ecosystem of Power BI? I think we're gonna have some words to say about this one. So, uh, Tommy, give me give a, a quick introduction here. Let's Let's talk about, give me the definition for managed self-service and we'll take it from there and we'll start talking about it.
1: Oh yes, I. There, this may be become a series, but managed self-service is the the blended approach be, between discipline and governance around data or semantic models and the creation curation of data models in Power BI, uh, while allowing other teams to still create reporting. It's the mix between report creators and data set creators that's really the difference here. Uh, Typically in a managed self-service solution, you have the semantic model creators, I'm already using it, Uh, or centralized, it's governed. Uh, Those models are only coming from a subset of the organization. And really the rest of the organization, however split uh, between analytic teams or departments, are only utilizing those semantic models. Um, There are use cases of them creating using non uh, or it's based on the data sources themselves so if there's enterprise data it's coming from the enterprise team who's creating the centralized semantic models if you want to create any uh reporting off of that you're already using curated semantic models c- created any business data or something outside of uh enterprise data does not live in the same area so there's this really strong divide between what type of data goes into enterprise reporting and who can curate semantic models from. But it still allows teams to utilize their own business data or create reports off of this, um, enterprise data, but utilizing
0: pre-created semantic model data sets, however, whatever that terminology is. Yeah, exactly right. This, I think, is, and you're, you're talking about this there, there's kind of a lens, I think, around this that we're talking about potentially the, the data, the, mm, the semantic model is gonna it's gonna bug me today. I'm sorry. What we're a talking, data. Oh man, what oh, a data dang. transition now. I'm gonna say data set a thousand times. Um it it is
2: <laughs> because all the documentation still says
0: data sets. <laughs> yes, it does. It's not it's not fully updated. The the semantic model and then accessing that semantic model with different patterns, right? So you you can go after the semantic model by getting access to the workspace where the semantic model lives. You can get access to the semantic model by getting delegated permissions through an app that has a report in it. So you can, you can kind of get by proxy, get a, I'm gonna be able to build things from that semantic model through the app. And then there's a third option. You can get permissions by getting directly added to the security of the data set itself without having to go through the app. So the app can say, I'm gonna deny you access to build things from the model, but we will give you direct access. So to me, that's those are all the parts of this ecosystem that are providing access to just the semantic model. But where does self-service come into play now with Fabric? Because with Fabric, we also now have this lake house full of tables. We now have a SQL serverless that has tables in it as well. So does self-service allow other artifacts inside your call it your data set or your data engineering workspace, is there more access being granted to users in here? And is that that part of the story? And Tommy, looks like you're waving your head, no, this is not part of your story.
1: I was going to say that's a whole other conversation, the data warehouse and the lake houses. I think for the majority of uh, scenarios right now, it's just focusing on the semantic model uh, journey.
0: Okay. So you want to focus this conversation for now around just focusing on... The data set and the report layer. Yes. Okay. Is it certified or not?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, I, and I think there. this is the story of the documentation from Microsoft. If it's in the um, chat, it will be in the podcast episode description. Mm-hmm. This, this all sounds great. And this is usually for larger organizations. They already have a centralized development team who's creating semantic models or, you know, like, and their job, their number one job is the curation of the semantic models for the use case for the business or other uh, BI teams, other analytical teams to create the reports off of. So their job, their task is not reporting, but semantic model creation and using enterprise or uh, what's been deemed enterprise data. So, the only way anyone else in the organization, if they want to utilize core data from the biz, uh, from the organization, is not going to SQL. It's utilizing a pre-created, already uh, cleaned data or semantic model and connecting to that in Power BI. So that's where their report creation is coming from, for, again, enterprise data. If I have like something from MailChimp or uh, I'm in marketing and I'm trying to utilize some email analytics, Yeah, I can use that. I can do import, but one that lives in a different area, so it's not going to be mixed with this uh, the semantic model or the enterprise data. Um, And then two, there is also kind of from what the apps or who gets access. But the idea here is great because it does allow like there's this governance area of hey, we know that we have these sources of truth. We know we have these semantic models that for our core sales, our, you know, our uh, operations that are already created and cleaned. Uh, I think my question here is while the implementation of this, or if an organization is starting or they want to move to this kind of scenario, idea is great, but I think there's a lot more in the weeds on getting this working properly, where I think there can be a lot of frustration with organizations and teams not getting the data when they need it um and also i think there's a lot of bottlenecks that are not discovered
0: in the documentation here um i mean i think this is i think this is really this is i think conversation so if you look at the two diagrams and these diagrams look extremely familiar because these look like things that melissa Coates has built for her you know here's the Parvia ecosystem and she's built out these diagrams i wouldn't be surprised if these came from her um but you you when you look at this Diagram that they're showing you. Here's a scenario diagram. And they there's like a thousand things on this one. There's models, there's direct query, there's data sets being all over the place. I mean, I really think the idea here is you're as a as an organization, there are, and again, I I will point on this too because there is this concept of what is certified. And I think that's what they're trying to note here in the main data set that they're pulling everything from in this example. Is there is a, you know, a shared semantic model slash data set. That has an endorsement, it becomes discoverable, we understand the lineage of it, and there are a people associated with owning and managing that data set for you. There's a, there's a point of contact. So there's the, there is, the, in my mind, there is a series of checkboxes that need to occur. These are all things that need to be made at the process level within the center of excellence. The center of excellence should determine how does your organization want to play this game and what level of comfort are you willing to provide back to the business to build things that they want? There's also this idea of, I think there's a, I think there's a maturity inside the organization that needs to happen. And I don't think many organizations are thinking this way yet, but they should start thinking this way, is how do we articulate, how do we define when responsibility is moving from one team to another team? And as I think about this, the responsibility of the data sets, the responsibility of the report creation. In this example of self-service, there is a central team or some team, it doesn't matter where it is, that is owning the data set itself, the semantic model. They are responsible for that part. As soon as someone builds a report on top of it, the report owner or the report creator they're the ones that are needed to be held responsible for what comes out of that data set. So there has to be some checks and balances here because I hear all the time, well, the business doesn't know what they're doing. They're going to build something that's totally wrong. The numbers are going to be represented incorrectly. Well, then you don't want self-service. Then you want it to be all managed. If you if you say that to me, you're already implying to me that you're not trusting or we haven't educated the business side of things enough to be able to trust what's coming out of their system. So then what you're telling me is all of your stuff needs to be in the certified realm and you can only trust things coming out of certified. And that's why we have that that gap. We have we have the whole certified thing just to, to separate or delineate between here's things that have been tried and, and tested. We we stand behind these numbers. Everyone else is building stuff that's not certified. And that's a that is a center of excellence, I think. Uh, policy that you need to figure out. It could be different per company.
2: Yeah, the, the way I, I used to view this was, you know, in each one of these realms, like what which one are you going to support in your organization? And I don't I don't think it's an all or nothing uh, because if if it was all or nothing, you're, you're just like, yep, we're doing managed self-service. Tommy, to your point, all, all this is doing is pushing an IT-controlled blocking mechanism into data sets I'm sorry, semantic models. I know,
0: I know, it's hard.
2: As opposed to the data, right? Like you don't have access to the data it has always been the problem for mm-hmm. business, for business, right? Now we're just saying, well, you, you may have access to the data, but you don't have access to the certified semantic model. We have to go update that for you, right? So, so I'm not saying that's bad because to Mike's point, I think rather than this being an all or nothing, there's the the story that we talk about that is more likely. There should be self-service available to an organization. So totally. in order for self-service to work, people need access to the data sources. Right. So they they're they're in their own ecosystem, but I think it's also the responsibility of the business intelligence team or the the, the data teams to have curated data sources for them to plug into. Where I think this is a natural graduation is in that grow up story where they've built something that now needs to be pulled up back into a managed state because we talked about like the it's a much wider audience, we need to put data quality and governance around the metrics, we need to ensure that everything that's being created is, is vetted and certified at which point we've taken something out of self-service and said, this is more important for us to manage but you're not gonna take that away from the report author, right? And that's Mm -hmm. where I think the scenario Mm -hmm. works well because you're saying, hey, this is still a data set that you can use or expand and build and, and grow on, but we're just gonna need to put this in this managed realm where, yeah, things might be a little slower, but we deem it necessary because of the high value of the report or the audience or the whatever. So like, I think where where I've landed now is is this is just it's important that we we understand like this isn't an all or nothing, but it is very important for us to understand the type of implementation or the type of semantic model that, you know, is out in this ecosystem. And I think you do that potentially with the certified label, right? Like if it is certified, this is part of something that is a a, at least uh manage self-service or fully managed, right? Where, you know, the, the business may no longer have access to it.
1: Yeah. And I think there's there's two distinct areas. I want to tackle something for Mike first, but Seth, so you make a really good point about the people involved with this. The, the, sort, the, the trusting of the data, I think there's kind of two splits here on how this is perceived. There's trusting the data, the semantic model itself and what's coming from there and the source of truth there. But then there's also the certification on the reports of themselves, and I think that there's the big difference there, where there are certified reports that are coming probably from enter- from the enterprise team or the same people creating the data models, living in certain workspaces. Maybe it's a
0: probably a certified
1: app. Yes, I would, I would agree with all that. Right, yes. right.
0: And I think I think that's to me that's like. That's like table stakes. at what we're talking yeah. about here. Yeah, like yeah, that there has, to, and even if it, even if that report doesn't answer everyone's sure. single question, yeah. like the idea is, we understand. Like the people who build the model will understand it the best, well, and hopefully there's a business user or there's a a PM that's working between that central data model and saying, okay, business users, we're going. The reason we're making this model is because we're listening to what the things you care about are. Sure, you said you care about. These types of data in our organization. Oh, and by the way, these are how products and customers and orders. These are how these things stitch together. Here's an example of a model that you would help you get to data you sure. care about.
1: Sure, exactly. But I, mm-hmm. I just, I want to. I don't want to understate the importance that those semantic models are also. Obviously, the, the certified reports. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of adoption and communication that needs to happen on if you're looking for our numbers on X, Y, and Z from the organization point of view, what we believe it's going to be in the certified app coming from mm-hmm. the enterprise team. And then obviously the data models, any managed self-service from those models, yeah, they they may be a certified model, but that does not mean the report certified. That's for the business use cases for an analytical purpose. So there's, there needs to be a very strong distinction and I think communication plan around that because you're trying to adopt from the consumer side on the certified models and reports. But then also you need to get the buy-in from these analytical teams that this is going to be the process. Your, all of your models will come from this data hub. Um, and that how do you actually get access? What if I need to configure something? and like provided a different solution
0: this is where i might I, I agree with most of what you say i think there might be a couple things there i would tweak from my language on how i would describe the same sure. thing right and the only reason i'm saying this is because i'm, I'm trying to think about here, here's a scenario let me paint a scenario the scenario i'm thinking through is we have a central team that's trying to get all of the financial data together we have a financial data set we're going to be building this is very common mm-hmm. once i have a financial semantic model created I go into the finance team and say, look, here's all the columns and and relationships of data, the way you've told us we need to link this stuff together. Great. Here you go. As the as, as we open up that model to that, the financial team, right? We as the central BI team, are saying, you know, we're going to the operational system, or maybe doing some things in fabric. We're transforming data. We're getting it shaped out, right? That is now a data set. We're saying we've we've vetted this data set. This this data set is good up until the data set portion. At that point, I think this is where it's important for companies to understand there is a transition in ownership occurring at that point. Now, let me maybe be clear here. Let me keep playing the situation. Now you're you're already trying to push back here. At some point, I'm going to say the data set is good, we're going to certify it, we're going to we're going to publish it. The team that owns the next step because there will need to be an owner, someone who's responsible for making the financial reports. Now, Whether or not you certify the content that comes out of that team, I think is a a decision of the center of excellence. However, I don't wanna limit the idea that we can delegate certification to the financial VP that is responsible for taking the data set we have over here, doing whatever you wanna do, and any report that comes out of that team, they have a process that they also follow that allows them to certify things. So inside that team, they may be building internal reports for themselves that they can't publish to the organization because it's not quote unquote certified. But where I'm, the reason why I'm pointing this out is because the center of excellence, which the the leads of the finance group should be a part of, they should be communicated to in the fact that, Hey, look, this is how our company is going to handle certified things. Your team Needs the ability to certify your own stuff because you you are the end all story around what certifications doing. So what do you
2: what do you what can that how is that okay? How is that team <laughs> going to go through the same? What let me let me back up. When you're going to take something from that team in the first place to certify it, what do you, what are you doing as the central BI team or the COE whatever to certify that data set? What are the what are the steps that you're taking to certify that?
0: So certified data sets have documentation. Certified data sets have an owner attached to them. Certified data sets have uh, data quality checks that are going through it. So you're going through source system elements and you're verifying or you're checking that the data is all there. It's complete and, and current, right? So there is a process. You you have defined a process that says, again, this is potentially different by every organization. There are a certain number of metrics that you're going to, you're literally phase gates that when this data set checks these tick boxes, We can say this thing's now certified so another requirement for some certified data sets and organizations will be no sources from excel you can't have a data source be excel it has to come from the enterprise warehouse somewhere it's a just it's just a potential for failure on that data set running and refreshing every day and remove those kind of things
2: can you have a certified data set that doesn't come from a central store Right. In many cases, like today, right, like you have Ooh. many, many different third-party systems, right? Is, is a, can you have a certified semantic model and and reporting that is pulling directly from multiple think, third-party systems?
0: There's, I think, there's an upgrade story there. Well, I well, so the answer I think to your question, Seth, is yes. And in and what I had an epiphany yesterday as I was talking through this whole fabric story, there's a potential. For even delegating certification to different teams across the organization after yeah i know tom you're making your funny faces here i think you're going to have to again this is a data culture issue this is an education issue on the company side there there is um the, there is the need to have multiple people or multiple teams be able to certify their own stuff mm-hmm. and the only reason you can do that is because everyone or at least the central the coe team is defining okay if we're here is the process by which we say a report can become certified as long as the team understands that and the team is going to hire i mean there's there's 100 there's already organizations hiring power bi developers that are really good in their business units because they know they want to do better power bi and they're looking and seeking skills to bring into those business units those business units need to have the ability to say, we will certify our own stuff, and this will be a certified data set. And then the decision can be back to the center of so, excellence. Does that well, certified stuff get shared well, across so the how whole organization? Does,
2: how, how, does that, how, does that, how does that work in conjunction with larger efforts around a data organization to consolidate right, the, the, the logic from all of those systems together? To a, a source location like Lakehouse, right? Like I have artifacts that are available to the organization that are curated. You know, com- many many times combinations of multiple systems that can be used as data sources. How, how, how does, do you? How, how do you I need to bring it to one
0: Lakehouse? The, the the one Lake experience is everything. So again, this is if where If using one Lake. Well, so one Lake is all the lake houses rolled together if someone
1: if, if if the organization has adopted fabrica
2: sure sure i guess where where i'm driving at is in in my mind there's a difference between a semantic model that's created from multiple different systems and a lot of business logic and etl is in that singular location which doesn't have a lot of reuse capabilities outside of reporting Right, in unless all of a sudden we're throwing things on its head and like now pulling semantic models into you know notebooks like this new thing we talked about earlier and like it being this thing this spider web of it's going to be a dependencies. Web. Yep. Versus like a a true in my mind. Quality governed data sets that are combined in a central location first and then aggregate, like done whatever we want to from a data set or a semantic model perspective.
1: Well, we need to make the clear distinction between the story for a report to go on that path for promotion or certification, and then the semantic model itself. If correct, the semantic correct, yeah, I agree. There, there that, are two separate
0: stories. There's very different uh, cer- yes. Yeah, there's a certified, so, there's a certified path for the data set. And right. there's a certified pass for what a report it, would look like. There's yes. the
1: process of ownership too. If any semantic, let's say, let's take the example of, we have all these different curated sources and there's data that exists outside of enterprise or outside of what's acceptable that needs to be part of, um, it needs to be part of the certification process. Because it really, the, the focus needs to be on the company's metrics. And if there is now something being introduced that the company is gold upon or hold on hold on hold on all right keep going Um, that if it's an enterprise level kpi or metric and that's not part of a semantic model part of um the data set hub or part of the certification then there needs to be this story of hey business or enterprise um center of excellence we have this semantic model that we've been using for self-service but we need to curate this additional source that's coming from this api that api is not you know managed by our team but we need this in the um, on the enterprise level. That model then becomes a candidate to then get be owned by the enterprise team. They need to, because they need to own it and then it lives in that location Because Don't disagree.
0: I'm talking about okay. I'm talking more about the yeah. reporting side of things. All right.
1: the reporting's different. so but i want I wanted to tackle that first because I will transition my ownership of the semantic model to the enterprise team, and they will have to adopt those sources and make that part of their own workflow and engineering this
2: is this is this is this is my challenge right like don't we have to be cautious when that happens though because you like the intent of a lot of these newer implementations and fabric breaking down walls of like these teams etc is it in order for us to be successful we keep driving at this conversation around the the report author the data steward from these business areas really needing to be part of this process, sure. And and what like what I'm hearing described here is like nope we're gonna we're gonna pull it away from them and then we're gonna need a project person in between the the two groups. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. If 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 is
2: is that the right story though, or or is there or is there an opportunity or should that person? Go along for the ride with the certified data sets and just understand how we do things. Do we train them up? I, I, do we have I, them manage their own models in a new certified way. This is, ha- uh, like, but this is yeah, this I, is this okay. is all of a sudden where like this is, the idea is fabric hmm? and that ecosystem starts to make sense because it's like, hey, listen, we don't have any expectation that you're gonna understand this out of the out of the box. Correct. So we're we are going to assume control of this for the moment. But we're once we've rebuilt it, or once we've put it on the this, this mm-hmm. train track, you're you're now jumping on the car, right? Like mm-hmm. here's how we did the things that that you already created. It's a really good here's point. Here's the things, and and it's a symbiotic relationship where I'm not now in your way. I'm not put, like the the it's gonna slow things down hundred percent, but. I, I think it also reduces the the conflict that would sometimes be created if you're just saying that the you know central team's now gonna assume responsibility because that business unit isn't gonna stop innovating. They're not gonna stop sure. needing needing yeah. changes to that that data set that they created that they wanted to use. Or as I'm talking about this, or is it thrown over the fence and they create their they ha- they now like have their own version? and they, they start building against their next rev
0: of something, and then that gets pushed up. I'm going to challenge So this, this was my point that, Tommy, you were – so two points here. Tommy, you were talking about KPIs that are global for KPIs or KPIs are coming from someone, somewhere in the business. Mm-hmm. One thing I would, I would argue with that one as well is where do those KPIs come from? The central BI team is not making the KPIs. Ooh. KPIs come from – no, KPIs uh. come from the different business units or leadership the central bi team is only implementing what they've heard other businesses say are important so central bi team is a it's a group of people that are doing the work because technically we don't have that skill set inside the businesses that can say at a central they have central bi team has access to data that other people don't have access to and they're listening to here's how we're going to they're working on the idea of what is a customer how do we count sales when do we count for sales but they're implementing it and potentially facilitating this discussion, but who's making those decisions? Finance is in a lot of cases. So there are teams of people that are defining the KPIs and they're owning them, and that's what is then broadcasted across the organization. That's how this has to work. The BI, the central BI team does not define these, these metrics. They only use the definitions that are given to them.
1: Mike, where do the metrics live? They live in the semantic
0: model. They live in the definition of what the business says it is. I'm sure. Which then get implemented right. in reality into the semantic model. It, it doesn't yeah. just. It doesn't. No. They don't live there. It's not. That's the only. It's an implementation of what we say as a company that's going to be utilized. Right. But but, so that, but it gets you know. So to to Seth's point then, right? The central BI team, if there's not the skills in the business unit in the finance department to do these centralized models as we're as we're describing. The center of excellence should be saying, look, this is what we say is is quality. This is how we know you can trust a data source. And and you have to use there's there's some political horsepower that needs to be used here, and that's why you have a central team because the central team can report up to those executive sponsors or VP level people and say, look, this is what we're doing. This is the team that will own this. I th- I fully think and 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 now am more firm believing in this is the once that model is created there's a high likelihood that that model may get pushed into the finance department. And there may be an identified leader in that team that says for the KPIs that you're responsible for, you are required to provide out financial reporting to the organization. Your team needs to own this one. We've worked with you. We've educated you. Here's the model that we we started with. We all agree upon. This is the great place to start. Here you go. Business unit. You are now the owner of that certified thing. And that becomes a collection of potentially other parts of the business, operations, HR, finance, just to name a couple, where those teams in themselves are creating, grooming, and certifying data sets. And to your point, Seth, it doesn't necessarily these certified things, it is it is a a certified thing, is someone is taking ownership and responsibility around creating data that is being shared broadly across the organization. That's how I would define it. And because of that, HR may be pulling data from rando systems that are not coming from a lake house. That's okay as long as they own it. And if there's any problems with the data or any issues with it, there is a person to go back to to fix the information. So there's there's an identified leader of that report and or data set.
1: But
2: I think... Yeah.
1: But
2: but to, to me... To me, a promoted data, that, that's a good use of promoted mm. that. Like, I have a clear documentation and ownership. Like, that's a governance thing where I would say, like, yep, if everybody has the ability to, to say that um, I put my name behind this data set. Yeah. Certified puts it in a different realm for me, where we've got quality check, tier point, quality checks, monitoring on sure. sources, some other validations, and ensuring that the downstream reporting, it absolutely has checks and balances in place. Before it gets to that that end audience, and and I think there's there's a big
1: distinction here between uh, a data source and again again, what does that semantic model have that would be coming from enterprise? And need it has to have in the semantic model, regardless of how the logic's getting there, working with the business, the core metrics. If this is how we count sales, this is our member count, whatever those core metrics are, mm-hmm. need to live in that enterprise semantic model. Sure. And need, yeah, and I think that's. I'm not disagreeing, I'm not
0: disagreeing okay. with you that at all. I'm just saying who owns, who ultimately has the responsibility for the financial semantic model. Sure, but that
2: like, and and ultimately, it's the difference between I I, I would think the um, ultimate ownership of areas or the the business goals and strategy are owned by the business teams, right? The BI team is the facilitator. where well, the. It's the same thing yeah. as saying like. I'm saying. Um, Uh, Like, we're the facilitator of many good things for a business between that strategy and the business users, right? And this even dovetails into a comment that James Lewis is making, right? Enterprise teams need to prove what value they bring to the business unit since business unit already has their own solution. Correct. I don't agree. Well, I agree with that to a point right well they're going to make their own solution regardless well well here here's this here's this thing rather than be combative right which that is a loaded statement like oh you have to prove your value well a a phrase like think like the business act like it is not just whimsical right Mm -hmm. we data people in positions that we are recognize the value in both areas IT and and the business the business yes you find solutions and many times it's it's wasteful it's not efficient and what are the things that we constantly come into and talk about a lot automation efficiencies right timeliness of data because Mm -hmm. more often than not can you build your own solution absolutely you do but when somebody asks you to go build it again what happens it takes you another day what if they want to look at it in a different way that's another four hours what what happens when you need to regenerate the report? You're, you're, you're regenerating the report, it takes you another four hours. Like we call that virtuous waste. That's mm-hmm. that's not valuable use of company time or you solving problems. That's you being a data person. And and we have efficient, much more efficient ways to do that. And that's where solutions like this and our and teams like this playing advocate for both sides uh, create huge wins for organizations. Because you streamline all that. I want to see the data. You can see the data, how you want to see the data, when you want to see the data. And that allows people to make decisions much, much faster. So there's this this huge part of all of that being like the integral parts between the, the organizational units. But this is also, I think, part of the conversation where who owns these types of artifacts that are That are created out of these exercises, where we're solving these problems, right? And and like, it's there's there's so much conflict in me when it's like, yeah, I think we, I think that makes a ton of sense, and but then there's this scenario, and then Mm -hmm. like like this one doesn't, and we can't, we don't want to go back into a realm of old school BI where there are walls between us. But do we have enough of? Is there enough technology? Or have we lowered the standard enough to bring everybody onto the same page? And I think we're making like direct Microsoft is making directional shifts so that these are actually conversations where we're like, yeah, maybe there is an opportunity where we can like pull the groups here together. But we're like, I think the, the rough spots in here for me still are. It's not it's not fully fleshed. Like this is a new. I think realm for all of us in business intelligence and data because so many more people from the business are on the data train, right? Recognize that there's a bunch of value that can be created in tool sets that they're now accessible to them. And then you butt that up against the enterprise side where there have been teams who've been doing this stuff for a very long time. And you're not just going to shed all of the learnings that we've had along the way. But when you start talking about managed and self-service all in the same conversation these clash and there are some good paths i think back and forth but there still are some walls that feel like we we need to you know solve like climb or get around
1: well and i i i love that because i think with the introduction of there are so many more people are getting into the data space and really it's all about I'm getting back to the theme of location. And this is the big difference where in the Power BI platform, what exists is the ability for where does the data, not just the semantic model live, but also where do I live when I'm working with the data and where are the consumers going to live looking at uh, certain data? So if I have the separation of, I can still access the data, I can do analytical things on it, but there's a distinction between the location of, the this enterprise walled in data of the access but of me as an analyst that's outside of the realm of enterprise but can connect to it i can see if we want to see our source of truth company level metrics fine you know that is managed walled in that goes through the all process but i still have the flexibility and i have the access in curated workspaces managed self-service distinct workspaces and apps to do customization and uh Um, kind of that flexibility. But I think those work streams are because they all live in the same space. I can still publish to a workspace that's been created and approved by the organization. I can utilize the reporting solutions. And again, that doesn't have to be, so to speak, vetted. But again, there's that clear distinction of certified. And I think that's where the big, it's not just getting access to the data. It's not just um, having access to enterprise data is the difference between when I'm going to stamp something as certified, be it the model, be it a metric, or be it a set of reports. and being able to um, in a sense share that. that's to me where the difference is. But allowing managed self service also pass of um, content to be shared is where the, I think that
0: flexibility comes into play. There's so many thoughts i have on this one i i think as long as you're working with a a common process that is communicated across the organization and you are aptly thinking through what does a data stewardship process look like you can just de- you can decide as an organization does your is your organization and you're just, again this is part of the decision here is what is the skill of your people <laughs> If the skill of your people is everyone just wants to consume reports without actually trying to build anything, you're, gonna, you're going to have to have a central team that's going to build stuff for you because the broader part of the organization does not understand how to build a semantic model and own it and keep it fresh and good and clean. On the other hand, as your data culture evolves, more and more organizations will be able to evaluate their team's skills. And I think this is a critical point here skills in different business units will be very important act like the business think like it the business needs knowledge the business needs capable people that are going to be able to do what part of the actions that come out of the central team or that central bi team you're going to hire you're going to bring your smartest power bi person can build models and data engineer stuff they are going to live in a single team that may that may work well for a handful of those really centralized models but i have to imagine over time if you're, if you're grooming your people well, if you're grooming your organization well, the knowledge level of everyone in the company will start rising. People will understand how to use Power BI.com more. They're going to get more comfortable building their own models. They may work more in analysis and Excel. And you're going to find not everyone will grow at the same rate. There's going to be certain departments that get this faster and can do more quickly. There are some amazing Excel things that are being built inside the finance world that I'm like, What the heck are you doing you should have been a developer because this stuff is so stinking complex you're writing these really like you're you're literally making a database inside an excel sheet like that's not cool it is cool but it's not cool like so so (laughs) i know there's skill capability inside organizations i've seen it it's now just a matter of okay let's channel that energy into the world thinking around microsoft and power bi things and then also at this this is where my mind goes there used to be some very hard barriers to data across the organization. Like I, Traditionally, when we built data things, we'd have a dev environment separated by a test environment, separated by a production environment. Microsoft is changing this whole mentality, especially with data, because now it's just powerbi.com. The service is the same service. There's no dev servers, there's no prod servers. It's all one pile of Power BI. And I think this is something that organizations need to grapple with. A lot of organizations still feel like they need full separation of hardware between different environments. That is a very on-prem, old, not old school. That is a very, um, that is a way of thinking. What is happening now is Microsoft is trying to meld all of this together. So I now use only one service called PowerBI.com, And then inside that, now I'm building dev test prod workspaces that are essentially are all living on the same machine, the same harbor. It's all, it's all in the same spot. When you move from, um, on-prem to now software as a service, I think our mental model of how easy it is to share data across teams, the one lake service is all, is all lake houses all rolled into the same API group. So realistically, My dev data is sitting right next to my production data in this thing called OneLink, and I'm using a user-managed identity to access that data or not between those different environments. We need to start thinking about, we're not trying to separate physical things by hardware anymore. We're all gonna put everything into a platform and we'll have yeah, proper it, controls it, it, on yeah. top of that that actually segment things out. And I, I think
2: I think for for another conversation is you know uh, does does the new, does that new mentality and fabric work with uh, embedded scenarios where where there 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 may be may not be hardware, but in many areas there's completely different resource groups. There's a completely different bifurcation of data that does not span environments. Right. And,
0: and for very used good to be how reason. it was. It is not Once used to it. for production applications. It's One a very Lake, real thing. One Lake is different now. If you use if you use things in production with One Lake. We can we can, we can talk we, about it. But, but, for, but this yeah. is what I'm saying, though. <laughs> I get it. The, the, what I'm saying is I'm observing the trend that Microsoft has already done this with Power BI.com. You don't get dev and prod Power BI.com. Yeah. You get is, one. Is that
2: because that's by design, or because if you tried to spool up multiple of these things, it would be cost prohibitive.
0: I mean reg- economy reg- of scale right. would tell I, me whatever. the economy <laughs> of scale <laughs> would tell <Yeah>. me <laughs> i do a whole I know <laughs> the economy of scale would tell me it's not that. It's it's efficient to have one thing and only one thing only. So yeah. let me I'll say it this way. That's probably another conversation about how that works, as far as like there to me, there's a distinct trend or shift happening here. That is moving away from physical hardware separation and now we're moving more towards a service-based application and when you move into this software a service it changes your entire mentality and, and donald you're right on point here it makes it really easy to move between dev test and prod if you have the proper access granted to you it's all about your email address that can be controlled all the way down to the different service areas or control pieces
1: and, and the, the, yeah the last all this, day-
0: all this is it. Let's, we, we are at time we're a little bit over here Um, this is a really good conversation. I think this is something that organizations need to start grappling with and start figuring out for themselves, where does it make sense for you to start educating your business units versus central teams? And you probably will start with a central team building a lot of the really good certified things, but you should have a plan around, does it stay that way? Or are you willing to delegate some of that information or delegate some of that responsibility to other teams in your organization? I think it's definitely worth at least a conversation to have that and what is the plan or strategy around that because that will really inform what you do on the day-to-day basis to make that work. All right, with that, thank you all very much. Uh, for all five of you who have hung around the entire time throughout the podcast, we appreciate your listenership. I hope this was a good conversation and make you start thinking about uh, what is certified? How do we integrate self-service with the certified thing? Um, it's gonna continue to be a discussion point And I think as we start seeing this technology change, particularly with now all the addition of fabric, this is going to open up a whole new world for us for more self-service things on top of other things beyond the semantic model. So for those of you who are playing the drinking game around semantic model, you must now take another shot. (laughs) Anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate your listenership. If you like this podcast, if you found some value from it, please share with somebody else. Put down your thoughts. What do you think? Uh, you know, share share the link to the uh, to the podcast and give someone else some what is relevant to you and what do you think about self-service BI? How does this work with Power BI? Tommy, where else can you find the podcast?
1: You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It helps us out a ton. Do you have a question, idea, or topic that you want us to talk about in a future episode? Head over to Power BI tips slash podcast. Leave your name and a great question. Join us live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation on all Power powerbi.tips social media channels.
0: And if you really want to listen to us late at night and need to go to sleep, we will be more than happy to drone you to sleep. So I think this was a very detailed, I really like this topic, but everyone else who, who listens, like Michael, you're always on at 7.30 a.m. I see you all the time on my YouTubes and my LinkedIn. I don't know what you're saying, but you're just talking a lot. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I must be hitting a very niche niche group here on, on this topic and stuff like that. So anyways, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time.